Let's open our Bibles this morning. Matthew 6. We're going to be in verse 25. If you kind of are familiar with Scripture, you know that's kind of the Sermon on the Mount. And we will, we will get there in just a moment. As you're turning there, have you enjoyed this series on fear? Has it spoken to you? Maybe you and your family. I intend to do that today as well. There's plenty of things out there to scare us right now in society and in, in the world. Amen. I love the story last week that, that Pastor John brought to us about crew. Do you remember that story? Can I remind you of that story about throwing crew up in the air and playing the game? And Pastor John kind of, I guess he's been working out. He just threw him a little higher and he went a little too far, a little too far. Have you ever taken something too far and kind of, oop, oop, I went a little too far with that? I believe that the Lord has something for us to ponder today. So as we read this word and as we go through this message today, can you kind of, not literally, but sit on the edge of your seat? I want you to, as we read some of the scriptures, if you have a real Bible, I guess, you'll see that some of those words are written in red. And we know that those words written in red are Christ speaking. And I want you to pay attention to the words written in red today. I want you to pay attention to those words because I believe that he challenges us to focus not on worries and fear, but he challenges us on the faithfulness of God. We sang about that just a moment ago, the faithfulness of God. Got a little story I want to tell you about, about 1492. Anybody know what happened around 1492? That's right, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. During that time, the common belief that was ships from Europe would sail too far west, what would happen? They would fall off. Well, map makers wrote on maps during that time, and they would write these words, simple words, here be dragons. I don't really think there were dragons in 1492. They would also write on the edge of that map, here be demons. They would also write, here be danger. And based on such superstitions, sailors were afraid to sail too far west. But there was an English navigator, and his name was John Franklin, who was a mighty man of God. He knew the Bible and what the Bible says about God, that God sits above the circle of the earth. And he took a copy of his map then that had here be dragons and here be demons and here be afraid and fear and all of these other things on it. And he crossed those out and he wrote, here be God. It keeps us. It sustains us. Here be God. Turn to your neighbor and say, here be God. I believe that Job discovered that as well. He was able to look through the tears during his troubled time. And he says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth at last. Meaning God will be at the end, right? Right? Our universe is so large 
that scientists can't even measure how big our universe is. And the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 12, that God measures the heavens with the span of his hands. So when your world is crumbling all around you, the most important thing that you can do is place yourself in God's hands. The safest place in the universe is in the hand of God. I realized that the Sermon on the Mount was not speaking on the subject of war, but his command to us to focus our attention on the power and the faithfulness of God instead of whatever worries us the most. It's just as valid today as it was then. Listen to these words as we read Matthew 6, 25. That is why I tell you, Not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Let's pause right there, church. You ever felt like that? You had little faith? That's Christ speaking to us now, and he's saying, why do you have such little faith? Let's go on. So don't worry about things, these things, saying, what will we eat? I know it's about lunchtime. <laughs> what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate our thoughts of unbelievers. Let me read that one more time. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He's encouraging us as believers not to think this way. He's encouraging us as believers not to fear. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. That's a command right there. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts today as we hear from you. Lord, we see the commands that you have to us. Lord, is because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords speak into our lives today. Father, as we pause for a moment in time that we take the time to listen to your words. Father, throughout the week, we get so busy about doing our daily task. And sometimes we're overwhelmed with fear and worry and anxiousness. But Lord, you've commanded us to not fear. Lord, bring us into unity as we follow you in these words. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Three times in this passage, 
Jesus commanded us to not worry. Or the King James Version, I like the way it puts it, do not be anxious. Ever been anxious about something? Anticipating something happen? And maybe you were anticipating something that never happened. What does he mean by don't worry and, and don't be anxious? By the way, the Greek translated word of this worry literally means to be drawn or pulled in different directions. You ever been thinking about something so intensely that you were drawn and pulled in different directions about something? I believe that worry can tear us apart emotionally, mentally, and maybe even physically, destroy us. I believe that worry is one of the devil's greatest weapons of warfare. It can steal our joy. It can steal our contentment. It can steal your happiness. And what is ridiculous in most of the time that we worry about things that haven't even taken place at all and probably will never take place. Worry is futile. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. The 14th century German mystic Johann Toller. Anybody ever heard of him? Johann Toller. He's a, he tells a remarkable story about something that happened to him. And it shows something of the attitude of Christ as he was looking into his disciples. One day, this German mystic, Johann Toller, he met a beggar on the street. And God give you a good day, my friend, said Toller to the beggar. The beggar answered and he said, I think God, I've never had a bad day. Then Toller said, God give you a happy life, my friend. I think God, said the beggar, I'm never unhappy. Amazed, this German mystic taller replied back to him, and he asked him, he said, what do you mean? Well, he said, when the weather is fine, I thank God. When it rains, I thank God. When I have plenty, I thank God. When I'm hungry, I thank God. And since God's will is my will, and whatever pleases God pleases me. Why should I say I'm unhappy when I'm not? Toller looked at the man in astonishment and he said, Who are you? He asked. The beggar replied and he said, I am a king. Well, well, where is your kingdom? Toller asked. The beggar answered quietly and he said, In my The cure for fear, church. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6. He's telling the people not to, to let anxiety or let worry or let fear take control of our lives. So how can we win over worry or fear or anxiety? There is no magic pill for this, but there are changes in attitude that can help us develop the spirit of calmness. How many need some peace in your lives today? In Matthew 6, 26, Jesus suggests that we should observe the birds and learn to trust God in his 
providential care. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Somewhere along the line, we need to slow down, reflect on the promises of God. We need to review and remember some verses, and I wrote out some some key verses here. Here's one that you probably know. The Lord is my shepherd. I like the way the, the New Living Translation says it. I have all that I need. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Turn to your neighbor and say, within us. To accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Romans 8, 28, and we, now, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I believe this is pulling us back to center. This is pulling us and putting us back into perspective, in God's perspective. Trusting God doesn't mean that, that we are lazy or indifferent. Trusting God means that we realize that God is the one who is actually taking care of us. Remember, how does he measure the universe? With the span of his hands. Church, put yourself in God's hands. When we worry, I believe, if you can be patient with me, and I'm trying to say this in the kindest way, when we worry, we sin against God. A serious sin against God It's accusing God of being a liar. Think about it for a moment. God says, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Worry says, I don't believe he'll supply any of my needs. What are you doing there? It's contradicting. God says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart, lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You guys know the word, amen. He's gonna make your path what? What does worry do? Remember, it pulls you apart, it pulls you indifferent, it pulls you in this direction, it pulls you in that direction. God says his word is gonna put you on a straight and narrow path. Jesus promised that he is with us Worry says, I'm all alone. If we make a reasonable effort, God has promised to provide our needs. It's a matter of believing those promises of the word. Church, I believe that when you are worrying, when you're doubting, when you're fearing, when you're anxious, you haven't been in the word. Secondly, we need to maintain proper priorities. Since humans are more valuable than birds, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then these things of the world will be added to us. The Christian's priorities are God, people, that includes your family, (laughs) job, and self. When one keeps these priorities in order, God promises to supply 
every need. Worry mixes up your priorities. Worries confuses you. Worries pulls you off the path. The job may become more important than the family. That's getting it out of order. Self becomes more important than others. Remember the Harvest Fest I talked about a while ago? That's putting our community first. That's reaching to a dying world. That's opening this church up to them and letting them see us, our lives in motion, our lives, our love for them. As a result of our responsibilities seem greater than our resources, our energy is sapped by anxiety. Tell me that you haven't been sapped by anxiety at some moment in time. But when we trust God, we come back to center. We keep our priorities in order. We don't just say it, we do it. God supplies what we need, especially that peace of mind. Church, it's a simple thing of seeking the kingdom of God. I know standing here in worship today, it's sometimes to get me back into focus. It, it takes two or three songs to kind of pull us back to center as a congregation. I see it in, in you guys. We need to be worshiping more. We need to be worshiping outside of church and coming into church ready to worship at that first song. Can I get an amen from Pastor Henry? It's interesting to discover this word peace. I believe, depending on what version of the Bible that you read, I think the lowest that I found it was 220 times peace is used in the Bible. It was like four and 500 times in the Bible in a different version that I looked up. But I noticed that every time that peace is used with another word, righteousness, when these words come together, this righteousness always comes before peace. Remember what righteousness is? It, it brings perspective to your life when you hear it in this direction. Our hearts must be turned to a right standing with God. So when you read righteousness, right standing with God gives you peace. Putting away human desires puts you back on center. Right standing with God. Thirdly, we must focus on what is eternal. Rather than that which is temporary or unseen, rather than that which is seen. Second Kings 6 tells us a story of the prophet Elisha and his servant as they were staying in the town of Dothan. I love this story. The king of Aram, and the king of Aram is today's Syria, was at war with Israel. And every time this king tried to plan a surprise attack upon Israel, there was Israel waiting for their surprise attack. And the king of, of Syria realized kind of what was going on. And every time he went to have something tragic happen to Israel, there Israel was waiting on them to, to do their planned attack. So the king realized that Somebody within his army was against him. Somebody was for Israel within this Syrian army. So he brought his officers all together and he said, which one of you is against me? Which one of you is against me? 
One of the officers stepped out and he told this king of Aram, he said, it's not us. It's not us against you. It is Elisha. Elisha is the one that knows the very words you speak in your bedroom. Verse 11, 12. This enraged the king of Aram. He was convinced that his officers must be spying on him, but now he knew none of his soldiers were against him. It was Elisha that was against him. So early the next morning, this king of Aram planned an attack on Israel in this city of Dothan. And so the next morning, this servant of Elisha arose and he looked out the window and he could see that the army was surrounding the city of Dothan. And he knew that Elisha hadn't really planned anything. So he ran back terrified. You could almost hear him gasping in 2 Kings 6.15. And he cries out to Elisha and he says, Oh my Lord. What shall we do? But Elisha is calm, and he says something to his servants that his servant didn't understand in that moment in time at all. He said these three little words to him. He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The servant must have thought that Elisha was hallucinating or he had gone crazy because I know the servant at that time, he began to name all of his friends that he had, their children and their friends and their family, and he began to count the cost. You ever counted the cost of something and fear and anxiety began to overwhelm you during that time? This is Elisha speaking to us today, church. Don't be afraid. It goes on and it tells how Elisha prayed for his servant. And he said these words, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Say that to yourself right now. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. The Bible says, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses, chariots of fire all around us. Church, can you see it now? Your most anxious time, your most fearful time, there is the army of the Lord surrounding your enemies. Your most anxious time, don't be afraid. The Bible explains this, is what is unseen is more important than what is seen. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, that is why we never give up. Through our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Church, how do we get our renewed bodies? By reading the word. It will renew your mind. 
For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, and yet they produce for us a glory that has vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot be seen. For the things we can see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last. For how long? Forever. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough. Church, don't put yourself in that position. Christ is speaking to us today, and he's telling you, don't worry about tomorrow. The Lord didn't say, don't worry about tomorrow, because nothing bad is going to happen to you. He did confirm there will be troubles tomorrow. But he also promised us spiritual resources to cope with all of the things that you have need of. Church, use those as a tool in your tool belt to help you for tomorrow. In 1789, the sky of Hartford, Connecticut became dark. This Connecticut legislator was, was, was meeting at that time. Some of the representatives in that leg legislator were glancing out the windows, and they feared the end of the world, calming the cries for an immediate adjournment this Colonel Davenport, Speaker of the House of Representatives, he rose and he said, he said these words, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for an adjournment. He goes on to say, if it is, I choose to be doing my what does that say to us today? Church, is the sky around you looking dark? Do you anticipate the end of the world is happening to you, fearing what may or may not happen to you? We often forget as Christians that as Christians, fear doesn't belong to you. As Christians, as long as we remain faithful to the calling that God has given to us, he will remain faithful to you. Here be God, not dragons, not dangers, not the end of the world. Rather fearing what is to come, we would be better off taking comfort in the fact that nothing happens to a child of God without our Lord's faithful hands upon our lives. Use it, church. Grow from it. Whatever it is in your life, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Therefore, church, trust God. Trust God to provide Live one day at a time. Let these words of the psalmist be your motto. This is the day that the Lord has made. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that I will rejoice and be glad in it. My final illustration for you today. There's a poem called The Robin and the Sparrow. Said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why those anxious humans rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Stand with me, church. Church, we must be relying upon God. I think the word clearly says that to us. Let's take a moment and pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can you just identify yourself by an upraised hand and say, Pastor Dave, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful. I got this going on and I got that going on. Simply by raising your hand, I want to pray for you. See those hands. Raising that hand says, Lord, you see me right where I am. Father, we take a moment here and now. Lord, we know that we need to realize that we need to be dependent upon you. When it comes to living as a child of God in this world, in this day, and in this age, we need to be disciples that need to be absolutely reliant upon you. We need to have that faith in God that you are faithful, you're just, you're a forgiving, you're a merciful God. And Lord, with those hands that you measure the span of the universe, you also guide and lead us with your hands. Lord, our reliance on you, that we are fully confident on you and what you can do in our lives. Rather than being cowardly and being anxious with anxiety and full of fear, Lord, just as you opened the eyes of the servant of Elisha, I ask you, Lord, right now to open these faithful servants' eyes. May they be reminded in their darkest days that here be God. Here be God. Lord, we don't have to worry about the dragons. We don't have to worry about the dangers of life. Lord, may they leave away from here today renewed, confirmed through your word that was given to us today that we have a relationship with you. You are a personal God. You're a God who wants to be with us. Lord, may they not be guided by fear, but Lord, we ask the Spirit of God to come and fill their hearts, fill their minds. Lord, give us that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, instill in them the greatness of you. Jesus, we ask all of these things. In your mighty, most precious name, we pray. And all God's people say, Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his faithfulness? That was our benediction prayer, and time is over. I have tried to get you out of here early today. 
Can you walk out of here before we set up? <laughs> Can you go with the peace of God in your minds? He, he commands us, don't fear church. And we can do that through him. Amen.